Hey, it's Future Editing Eric here. Just a super quick announcement before the show begins, and that's that we now have a Discord. Of course, you can use it to talk about our podcasts and YouTube, but there's also tons of channels to talk about board games in general, find translations of games, talk about life, or traveling, or practice foreign languages, or find people to play board games with online. We'd love to build up the dojo this year, and all are welcome. I'll leave a link in the show description. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Minasan, konnichiwa. Welcome to the Board Game Dojo. Akemashiteomeretougozaimasu. Oh, Sumachan, you're here today. It's your first time. Everybody, please welcome Sumachan to the in front of the camera. Finally, it's not just me that you have to see during a video. Sumachan, welcome. Are you like nervous, excited, your first time in front of the camera? Uh, very nervous. Very nervous? Don't be. I'm sure everybody is going to love you. And tell us, why are you even here in front of the camera today for this episode? To introduce our all time top 10 board games. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. This is our first time doing this, our top 10 games of all time. And I can pretty safely bet that we are not going to have any crossover, any overlap. So I think you're gonna get 20 different games to talk about today. But before we get into the list itself, we do just wanna say thank you to everybody who watched our videos last year and actually ever. And an extra special thank you to those who are subscribed to us or subscribed to us on Coffee and Patreon. And to say a thank you to our Coffee and Patreon backers, we are doing a giveaway just for you in January. You are going to, if you are a subscriber on Coffee or Patreon by the end of January, that means you can enter now. You'll be entered into a giveaway of a package deal of Natsugogo from Ethan. Hyena Hero wants to slack off a really fun indie game that we also reviewed on our channel, and Boba Mahjong. So, this is a retail value of over 80, I think it's between 80 and 100 euros to acquire these games. And all you will have to pay if you win this is shipping. So, if you are subscribed to us by the end of January, you are entered into that giveaway. It's just a way for us to say thank you so much for helping to support the channel. It allows us to buy games to show people. Games that they might not be able to get or stuff for the holiday season. I think that those videos were a lot of fun to、uh, film and I hope they are fun for you to watch. But I don't think that you are here for the Patreon spiel at the beginning of the video, so I'm sorry to get that out of the way here. Let's get into our top 10 games. Let me get a drink of the hot wine here. How's it? That's good. Yes, so good. That's so good. Usually people don't drink it for New Year's though, right? Yeah, we have lots of spice left from Christmas. Yeah. We have like a, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a small thing on Amazon, like, like, like a pre mixed spice thing, but it turned out to be like this big of a spice mix that you would get at like Costco or Sam's Club. I don't even know who needs that much like hot wine mix. I think it was honestly probably for like a business, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. It's, it's fine. It's delicious. It's good. But let's figure out who is going to go first. So we do some rock, paper, scissors? Okay. So, so, so good. Junkin' boy. I go to the shop. Okay. I win. So I'm going to pick that. I want to hear your list because your board game journey is actually, you are very new to board games. I think like the beginning of Board Game Dojo is kind of the beginning of your board game journey, right? Like,、yeah. You didn't really play a whole lot before me. Did you play anything before you met me? Mm, only life、mm. and, and clue, right? Clue. Yeah, so kind of to modern board gaming. Yeah. 
like, and you're very, oh, oh, you have played Catan. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So you're still pretty new. So I think it's going to be interesting to hear your list and how you describe things. Because I don't think you're going to say like, oh, it's an area control game. You're just going to be. All right. So start us off with your list. What is number 10? So my number 10th is Parks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize you liked this game as much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Parks is about collecting national parks as your collections. And then while you're collecting, uh, you're on the you're on the trail. So while you're in the path, you're collecting sunshine, raindrops, tree kind of like materials. Mm -hmm. So use those materials to get parks to collect parks to your into your collection. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I used to live in Oregon for a year as an exchange student. And at a time, I visited a lot of parks, like national parks, such as Yosemite or Glacier. And then every time I play parks, like the good the games reminds me of the good memories at the time. Yeah, the art is so striking of like, you look at the cards and you can, if you've been there really easily, like tell where you are, right? Yeah, exactly. And then like, I can introduce, oh, like when I visited there, or oh, I, but this park is so beautiful. Like, especially when I play with Americans with like Eric's friends are mostly Americans. And then they sometimes have visited the parks and then I can have conversation with them about mm. the national parks, which is really fun. Cool. That's a good number 10. That's, I legitimately did not know that you liked this game this much, but I, maybe we should play it more. It's on BGK. But all right. So my number 10 is probably the like parks is very welcoming. It's a very like nice game to play. It's very pleasant. Mm -hmm. My number 10 is the opposite of that. It's not pleasant at all. It's the game that I will probably never introduce you to because it's very cutthroat and it takes 45 minutes to an hour to teach for the first time. And it is Food Chain Magnet. Food Chain Magnet is a game in which you are going to be running a food chain empire and you're going to have your own restaurants. And of course, to run your own restaurants, you're going to need to hire employees. And that's what you're going to be deciding on every turn of who to send to work and who to hire during that work and whatever it might be. But it's very difficult to kind of get that engine going because you do need to hire people to actually work for them. But at the same time, you need to probably train those employees so that they get better. But that's a decision you have to make. Do you want to recruit more workers or do you want to train the workers you already have? But on top of that, you also have to decide, well, who's cooking the actual food? I need to hire those cooks, don't I? But then again, who, you know, maybe you're cooking burgers, but nobody wants to eat burgers. So you got to have hire some marketing people so that people in the area want to actually eat your burgers. But actually down the street, there's another fast food chain that's going to be one of your friends that opened up a second restaurant. So now they have more customers that they can sell to, or they've slashed their prices that you're selling your burgers for $10 and your friend is selling their burgers for $5. So there's so many competing elements going on here. And it's extremely cutthroat. In fact, the designers, when this game released, said, if you can't lose on your first turn, what is the point of the first turn in the first place? Wow. Meaning that like, even That's before harsh. you play your first turn, if you put your first decision of the game is where to put your restaurant on the map that changes every game, if you put it in a bad spot, you're done. You're finished. The next three hours of your life are going to be miserable. So that's why that's harsh. it actually used to be my number one game mm -hmm. uh, for years. This used to be my number one game because I absolutely adore this game. Yeah, I remember that. Like every time we go to board game shopping and you always like introduce me to all oh, of this was my top 10 board number one board game before. Yeah, but the thing is, is like with the list today, I think like you probably did this too of like we're trying to 
compare these games and try to put it in the best situation. Mm-hmm. Like, these, you know, I'm going to think about this game in the best situation with the best people, you know, so I can kind of compare and make the list. But compared to the other games on my top 10, this one is just so rarely in just the right situation to play this with. Yeah. That I'm with people who have all who are also have played this game a bunch of times. We don't have to explain the rules. Everybody knows the cutthroat nature of it and is okay with the fact that like maybe they're going to lose in the first half an hour and they have to play for another hour. Mm-hmm. That like everybody's accepted that social contract. That it's just it's just fallen down to number ten. It's still a great game. I still love the game because it's number ten of my all time favorite games. But I think for that it just falls from number one to number ten. But that's Food Chain Magnet. It's a great game. If you want to play, it's online. All right, number nine. Uh, okay, uh, my number nine is trick-taking in black and white. It's a very simple trick-taking game. There are only two colors, black and white, as it is, and then numbers. And then when you play the cards, you can choose black side and white side. Mm. And then white side set, let's say, one side number one, which is the weakest number, but the other side set number 30, which is the highest number. So you can choose like which side you want to play. Why does it matter which side you want to play? Uh, you need to win same number of white and black tricks. So let's say you win three white tricks and then you win two black tricks. So they're not equal number and then there's one difference. So you lose one point. Mm-hmm. So you need to win three white tricks and three black tricks in the same number all the time. Yeah. So you need to figure out like, okay, so I have stronger number maybe, but next time I need to lose or maybe I, I'm going to lose twice in a row. Like you need to figure it out and you need to think carefully yeah. what it's going on. Yeah. You are really good at this game. Yeah. Is that why you like this game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Another reason I really like this game is I can always win this game against Eric. Oh, so it's not even that you're just like, you are good at this game. You're just good against me as well. (laughs) Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, you've introduced this one to a couple of people, actually. It's like a really good introduction game. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, yeah, we play with my mom, right? Yeah, she likes this too. It's really good at three. Yeah. Also, uh, when we went to Essen, we found out that uh, this game was implemented by Korokorodo, which is a Japanese game publisher. And then they're like, not black and white, but uh, milk and coffee kind of Oh yeah, they're not the, po- it's not like bears, it's like coffee and milk. Yeah. yeah. So, maybe it's popular. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And Kodokododo is the same people who are behind Robotrick. So I think that the quality of the game is going to be really good. The original one is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. This one, yeah. Is this your favorite trick-taking game, actually? Or do you have one higher? I think I think this is your... I don't I don't know. Oh, I, maybe I shouldn't... Maybe I shouldn't ask. Maybe that's like... I think this is... So, yeah, I think this is the only one... My favorite... Only one trick-taking game. Wow. Okay. Interesting. All right. All right, that's a good number nine. You're taking in black and white, which you call bears. I think a lot of people call it bears if you're in, like, especially the Portland Game Collective uh, Discord. It's called bears. Um, my number nine is a game that was probably my biggest surprise to be included in my top ten, but I kept doing the pub people thing of, like, it would be this game versus another game, and I just kept clicking this game over and over and over again. And we have played it. It is actually a game all about running a hotel. Do you remember it? 
Grand Austria Hotel. Yes, Grand Austria Hotel is right. Yes, awesome. I'm so glad you remember it. Yeah. So Grand Austria Hotel is, like I said, a game all about uh, running a... Oh, wow, I must have running a restaurant. So yeah, Grand Austria Hotel is a game all about running a hotel. So at the beginning of the round, you're going to be rolling some dice. And the dice, depending on the number, correspond to a different action that you're going to be able to do in the hotel. And you're going to be deciding in snake order, you're going to take one of these dice from the pool that you rolled at the beginning of the thing, and then you can do that action. And these actions can be something like hiring employees to better run your actions, and they have special powers. It might be something like actually putting the guests into a hotel room. It might be actually attracting the guests to your hotel in the first place. But it's one of those really what feels like a classic, like a modern classic style of game in which you look at the box. It doesn't have like, I, I don't, I know for me, at least, it doesn't have the, like, my favorite kind of art style on the box, mm -hmm. but you play it and the mechanics are so elegant. It's actually not very hard to learn. It's very intuitive and you can actually, like, pick it up and play, even if you haven't played in, like, four months or so. Mm -hmm. You kind of can pick back up on the rules really easily. Okay. I think I like this game best at two or three. I have not yet played with the Let's Waltz expansion, which is supposed to make this game better at four because the snake draft can make it be, like, a really long time until it gets to be your turn again. But... I really enjoy Grand Austria Hotel. That is my number nine. Is that a Japanese game or non-Japanese? It is a German game, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah. Okay. I think so. I remember that we played with two of us before. Yep. Yep. We played just just the two of us. So that's my favorite player count of mm -hmm. this game is, is two players. Okay. Nice. Okay. How about you? What's your number eight? Moving on, moving on up. My eighth place is Scout. Because mm. mm -hmm. Scout is very... First, when I played the game, I thought, okay, this is not another kind of card game. But mm. actually, it's not. Like, first of all, you cannot shuffle your card. You cannot rearrange your card. Mm -hmm. That was like, what? The point mm -hmm. of the yeah. game. And the second one is if you want to play, if you and if you cannot play, you can still you can just take the card from the middle and then you can add it to your your hand. Yeah, because you're trying to play cards that are higher than the person before you, and you're trying to get rid of your cards first. Yes. But you know you can add a card and make your hand better, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but I don't remember why I I cannot explain why I really like it. But like every time I play the game, like everyone laughs very hard, and I really enjoy myself with playing the game with people. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's like anybody can play it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Which you really like in in games because we've played this with quite a few people. Actually. Yeah, quite a few people. Yeah. Nice, okay, your number eight, Scout. My number eight is also a game that I played probably... Uh, it, on my list, I think this is actually probably the game that I've played with the most amount of people. Probably because it is a great party game for large groups. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, this is my go-to party game for when you have more than five people at your place. And that is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Uh... Deception Murder in Hong Kong is a social deduction game in which one player at the table is going to be a murderer. Everybody in front of them has two rows of cards that consist of a murder weapon and evidence left behind at the crime. And 
Everybody's going to close their eyes, and one person is going to be kind of the game master. They're the forensic scientist. And the murderer is going to open their eyes and point to one of the murder weapons in front of them and one of the pieces of evidence. Now, depending on how many people are playing the game, there might also be accomplices that are helping out the murderer or witnesses that are helping the police officer. Because everybody at the table is going to be acting like they are the police officers trying to catch the murderer. And... The forensic scientist is going to have to be silent, but they are able to give clues based on randomly drawn cards. And this might be something like the motive of the crime or the location of the crime. So if the murder weapon is something like a syringe, then hopefully you draw a card in which the location is probably a doctor's office because that would be really helpful, right? Yeah. But most of the time, that's not going to happen. So the forensic scientist is kind of playing their own game where they're trying to create a story to kind of get everybody else to guess what the murderer is doing. Meanwhile, you have the murderer and the accomplice trying to be like, ah, oh, I don't know, they said the doctor's office and I'm pretty sure that like, um, uh, I don't know, what else has to do with the doctor's office on the table? <laughs> Something like that. I l adore this game. I think that this is, like I said, this is my go-to party game for groups that are larger than five because I do think that my favorite player count of this is probably like six or seven. That way you get all the different roles mm -hmm. involved and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. I know I've just always really enjoyed this game. I have all of the promo sets for this game so that you can like travel to different countries based on the thing. So like there's like a Japan set and a Korea set that you can play with where all like the mm -hmm. stuff has to do with those countries. So I think this is a great game. This is my number eight, Deception Murder in Hong Kong. I like the game too. Do you remember any good murder case in the with the game? <sighs> I don't remember any one in particular, but I do remember the first time when I was learning how to play this game, I was taught when I first moved to Japan. And it was the game we played at the board game group when I was trying to make friends. And I just remembered that the guy who ran it, it was his favorite game. And he was so good at being the murderer. Like, literally, he was able to make <laughs> nobody guess him. Uh -huh. He was so convincing. And then at the end, he's just like, oh yeah, I was the murderer. And just like, everybody's like, whoa, really? You had us completely convinced that you were not it. And it's just like that thing of like, I love games that you can like get better at. But the nice thing about Deception is that you're not straight, you don't straight up have to lie to people mm. and say like, I'm not it. Like, or like, you know, like cockroach poker, when you have to like give somebody a card and you're lying straight to their face, like this is a cockroach. You don't have to do that. So I find that like people can get like, not lie easier, but people who maybe don't like social deduction games really like deception. Cause they can be like, well, it could be the ax in front of me because the location was a kitchen, but actually, you know, there's a knife, of, there's like a kitchen knife over on the other side of the table. That makes sense too, right? So it's like that thing of like, it gets people into social deduction that maybe isn't, aren't usually into social deduction. They don't like werewolf or something like that. Mm. So yeah, that's my number eight. Nice. I love the game too. Yeah? Yeah. Are we going to see it later on your list? Uh, we'll see. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. All right. All what's right. your number seven? My seventh place is Watergate and Match of the Century. Oh, both. Okay. Yeah. I think both games are kind of similar a mm. little bit because both both games are only two players game. Uh, uh, both players have different cars and different goals. Mm, right. You have Watergate, that's like Nixon versus the journalist. Match of the Century is Bobby Fischer for the American side and Boris Spassky for the Soviet Union, right? Exactly. And then, you know, like, you know, those games are published by the same company, so it's those games kind of have same mechanics like 
cars have a po- uh, power and also a special effect. Mm. And then sometimes like you need to take care of points at the same time, momentum for the next round. Mm. So you like both of these. Which one do you think that you like to play more right now? Oh, that's a tough question. But lately, I don't know. I think Watergate. Mm, okay, really? Yeah. Okay. Why? What, what makes you drawn to Watergate? The theme? You're just more interested in the theme? or? Yeah, I'm more interested in theme, but... So, much of the century is all about mental mental energy, mental power, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you haven't played this game yet, you have you have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but just more mental power, you can have more cars. And then you have less mental power, you have less cars. Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, also, mental power and the, the points you get in the round is different things so you need to you need to like pay attention like which one you you're trying to win mm. sometimes you can win both but sometimes like you can you need to choose uh like you might have to lose this game of like this round you might have to lose this round but you can gain mental energy so you do better in the future yes or win exactly. this round but you lose mental energy so you're probably worse in the future yeah exactly and then but we kind of figure out like mental energy is very very important so like mm. every time we play we try to win mental power mental energy a lot mm-hmm. right yeah. so we kind of find out the the way to win yeah well at least right now yeah the meta is definitely forming right now of mental energy <laughs> So, do you think it's for the same kind of person? Like, do you think the same person would like both of these games? Or yeah, definitely. Also, like, I think this is very good couples game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I really like this one. I really like it. I think I like Match of the Century better at the moment, but it might go back and forth. But both really good games. Good, good choice at number seven. My number seven is also a game that like I think of as a two-player game, even though it plays more but I really only enjoy it at two players. And this is my most played game of 2023. Oh. I have played over 200 games of this. How did you On count? Board Game Arena, because it oh. keeps track on there. And it is Innovation. Innovation is a game that I should have played a long time ago because people kept telling me, Eric, you would really like this game. Please just play it. And then the rules just made me like not want to because it's very swingy. So in Innovation, you are going through different ages and the, the higher the ages the kind of better the cards because your civilization is getting better at things so at the very beginning you're like inventing the wheel mm-hmm. right and by the end you're you're inventing nuclear science mm. right but you have to kind of get there and throughout the game you're going to be doing different combos but every single card seems like it completely breaks the game so you're going to play a card and then your opponent goes like how on earth there's no way that that card says you can do that there's no way. And then sure enough, you can do it. But then your opponent is going to do the same thing back to you. Mm. Back and forth as you kind of build up all of these different um, entities. Because throughout the game, you're probably going to get good at like a certain thing. Like you might be really good at um, the one that's like medicine, which is a bunch of like leaves are just like how medicine gets better. So you're really good at a certain thing in the game. Or red is usually like attacking. So like pirates like you're going to learn how to be a pirate so you have like a pirate empire and stuff like that so you're going to start stealing your opponent's cards Mm. over and over again and like every single person that i've played this with we can play over and over again 
And it's so fun to not only learn the different parts of the rules. I mean, it's like literally, it's not that many cards. You're gonna see the same cards every single game, but different people are gonna use these cards in such a different way that it feels like a completely mm -hmm. different game. On BGA, they have four expansions on there. Oh wow, that's a lot. I have not played with one of them because there's no need. I've played over 200 games of the base <laughs> game and seen the same cards over and over again, but I still am interested in it. That's a lot. <laughs> so that is my number seven. It is innovation. I am just like, I'm it, not obsessed, but at one point during this year, I had like 13 different tables of innovation going at the same time. I feel like it's rare for you to obsess with one game that much. I usually obsess with one game. Like mm. in like a week I play, I say again, again, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a five-year-old kid to watch the same movie over and over. <laughs> That's so accurate. <laughs> Every time I lose, I again, again, again. And sometimes we play like 10 or 20 games. Yeah, that's you with Ticket to Ride right now. Yeah. It's like, again, again, again. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is much rarer for me. I just think, and I think that's a testament of like, it's very rare for a game to crack my top 10 in the very first year that I've played it. Mm. But this one did, and it's not even at number 10, it's at number seven. Okay. So, I know, I really like it. Everybody was right the whole time. Thanks to everybody who like, taught me. That's, that's the one thing about this game is that like, play it with somebody who can teach you. Because having a good teacher that will walk you through how everything works is really great. So my number six is Star Realms. Ooh, okay. You introduced me the game a year ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so I was traveling around for my teaching job, right? You yeah. played in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, so you must have fond memories of it then if it's your number six. Mm-hmm. That was my first time, how can I describe, like building decks games? Oh yeah, deck building, yeah. Deck building yep. games. Because I never played... Um, I never play Yu-Gi-Oh or Duel Masters or Pokemon when I was a kid at all. So it was my, I don't know, you guys recon you guys considered that game as a deck builder, but my my f first ever deck building games. Uh, yeah, I think I think that one's like like deck construction or those where you build it the before. I think, and then deck building is when you do it during the game. So you like it when you're doing it during the game. Everybody's doing it at the same time during uh, the game, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. What makes Star Realms? So Star Realms is a game that, like, I'm a bit surprised because Star Realms is a game where you're deck building in space. I don't yeah. really think you like the theme that much. I don't like space at all. That makes me scared all the time. <laughs> scared? What yeah. do you mean scared? Because, like, I feel like, oh, I'm so tiny in this galaxy. I'm nothing. Oh, there's a word for that. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Oh, my gosh. I have to look this up now. So I, I'm not a big fan of space. Or, like, I don't like a lot. I don't like. I'm not big sci-fi person at all. Mm -hmm. I'm usually big, very heavy on artwork or, like, game, not game design. Uh, like the illustration? Illustration person. Mm -hmm. So... Like parks, you know, it's so mm -hmm. beautiful. But like, usually I avoid when I see space games. I'm outside. First of all, sci-fi. I don't mm -hmm. like it. So you don't like the art and deck building is kind of new to you. So what makes Star Realm so different for you? Uh, I really like making combos. Mm, yeah, those are fun in that game. Mm -hmm. The first, 
it was kind of weak but as you getting rid of cards your cards and then your 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 deck will become stronger mm-hmm. and then when you can destroy opponent's ship with like 20 points mm-hmm. with 20 damage at, at the same time like i feel really satisfied yeah that's a great one yeah does it does it make you want to play other games that are like it? Or are you pretty content with like Star Realms right now? And maybe at some point you'll get into more deck building. Um, maybe deck building that's future, but um, now I'm happy with Star Realms. Yeah, and it's nice and on the iPad. And stuff, yeah, so it's pretty good. Nice. All right, that's a good that's a good choice for number six. Thank you. And your number six. My number six is well, if you don't like good art. Um, you're not gonna like my next game because I know some people really like the artwork in this one, but I am not one of them. It looks like a dusty old, what we call a Euro game, but it is a fantastic game. That's why it's my number six. And this is the bag building game, Oléon. Mm-hmm. Oléon is a game in which you are going to be, there's a lot of different um, objectives and things to do on the board, but you're actually going to be doing um, kind of like deck building, but with a bag. So instead of like having to purchase cards and then put them in the deck and then shuffling the deck and stuff, you're actually putting the tokens for each of your characters in a bag. And then every round you have to draw out of the bag. So it's kind of a little bit of luck. And the different um, characters like the monks or the soldier and stuff, they can be put in different spots on your board. And based on when you fill up everything that is needed for that event on the board, then you can actually do that event. Mm -hmm. So it might be... Um, so it might be something like if you can unlock the farmer, then you can actually like harvest some wheat and you get some points for that because you were able to farm, or you might be able to hire soldiers and they can do different things on the board. You might be able to go to the library and acquire knowledge. And those are points at the end of the game. So there's actually quite a bit of ways to get points in the game. And it feels really fun because there are so many different ways of playing the game. There are so many different strategies that you can employ when playing the game that no two games of it really feel the same, uh, which is really, really nice. I really like that. And it is one of those games where I think it had one of the biggest um, surprises to me because when I looked at the board, I'm generally like you, where it's like that first impression of like the artwork is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And this is just so beige. It's so ugly. When you look at it at the board, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, what era is this game from? Oh my goodness, this is not going to be a fun game. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, you get into it. Everybody starts at the same point like you were talking about. And then you're like slowly specializing your bag and having to choose who you send to work because, you know, maybe if you leave them on the board, they're no longer on the bag. So that means that you're not going to be able to draw them the next turn. And things like you're like making all of these little decisions Mm. and it's just it actually feels fun you're building up your own little empire almost is Uh, what it feels like and i like and you know what i really like about it is it doesn't take very long you would think that this would take a long time this plays in less than an i would say it takes about an hour a little over an hour to play which is like really really fun and no matter kind of everybody's kind of doing their own thing at the same ish time and then you're kind of you have to do in certain things in order, so it's not gonna it's never gonna take a super long time, uh, which is nice. I really like this game. I was so surprised that I liked this game, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's number six is just that like mm-hmm. expectation was here, and then fun level was here. Are you a heavy game person or non heavy game person? Um, that's such a good question. I think I'm like I struggle to. F- 
say like I'm a heavy game person. I don't think so. I think I'm like in the middle. Hmm. I like to think of myself as like an omni gamer, so I'll play whatever as okay. long as it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind sitting for a 45 minute teach if the game is fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm also perfectly happy playing a party game at any time or a light game anytime. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We have Japanese meme, and then I saw the board gamer tweet that like usually the board gamers just become like heavy gamers. Oh, and then, okay. Like they cannot satisfy with like small games. Yeah. And then always, uh, I want to play heavy games. I want to play heavy games. I, like all people who like small games or like short party games is are not enough board game. Board enough good board gamer. Yeah. Good, good enough board gamer. I've heard of that. I that is pop. That is like, uh, a, I wouldn't say popular thought, but that is like I've heard that thought a lot in like the Western world as well, and I hate that thought. Like, party games are just as much board games as heavy games are. It's just like, what preference you have? What do you What do you think of that? I when I play with board games with my friends or your friends, they usually have no idea about what board game is. They have played only Catan or Life or Monopoly. So I usually bring the games I like because mm-hmm. usually they like to. Mm. And then I don't like heavy games at all because my least favorite part of board game is listening to rules. <laughs> I yeah, go you. bored immediately. I almost always have to teach you the games twice <laughs> because you never listen the first time. <laughs> yeah. Every time like, Eric, oh, did you get it? And I'm like, oh, no, but let's see. Let's see how it goes. Oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty thing too, yeah. Like pretty common thing too. A lot of people do that. Yeah, we'll just see. Yeah, we'll just we'll learn oh, as yeah. I play. Yeah. I'll learn as I play. Yeah, but yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Of like, I I just cannot agree with the whole of uh, like. I think I think even if you like enjoy the game of life, or you enjoy Scrabble, or you enjoy Clue, like guess what? You're a board gamer. What else are you gonna call that? Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a video game, right? You're still a board gamer. You enjoy it. Yeah. Like. No gatekeeping. No gatekeeping here at the dojo. That's what we call it. Gatekeeping. Okay. All right, so let's get into our top five. Start us off. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, my fifth place is sea, salt, and paper. How much is... Really? Like, really? Yeah. That soon? We have over there. And it's number five already? Yeah. Wow, okay. All right. Uh, sea, salt, and paper... First of all, I had no idea what game is. I thought it's kind of another like rock, scissors, paper game. <laughs> oh, sea, <laughs> salt, and paper. Yeah, <laughs> it was very different. Uh, it was uh, you collecting cards and then pair it up and and then you collect set and then that's gonna be your points and mm-hmm. then compare with others. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a race in that aspect too. Like you want to be the first to like seven points. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then, first of all, same as usual, I really like the art. The The illustration on card is not painted, but picture of origami. I think it's not because I'm Japanese, but <laughs> I think it's really pretty and then very elaborated. And it's very unique. Mm. Yeah, I really, I really, really like artwork. You know, I really don't care about like 
the game mechanism because I don't I haven't played a lot of board games so I only care about is how easy the rule is and how cute or how elegant or how cool the the illustration or artwork it artworks are. Mm. <laughs> Do you think that because artwork is so important to you mm -hmm. that your list of my top 10 favorite board games and my top 10 favorite art in board games mm -hmm. the list is probably pretty similar? Mm. Not really. Or no. It's no. just that your favorite board games have, like, probably have really good artwork in order to be your favorites. Yes. Ah, yes. okay, okay. Usually, like, I'm so judgy if I say that, but, like, but, like I very, I put importance on artwork. So if mm -hmm. artwork is ugly, that doesn't make me want to play. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, this sounds like horrible, right? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, like, it's really important to... I think that's why you now have, like, at this point, you have really almost, I want to say famous, but popular board game illustrators. Mm -hmm. Because people are now, you know, what's the difference between buying this game and buying this game? Well, this game just looks a lot better on the cover and how the artwork looks. Mm -hmm. So it must be a better game or something like that, right? Yeah. So that makes total sense. I don't know, like, I, I I, think maybe board game is different, but for me, like, totally outsiders, I, I think, like, oh, maybe it should be, like, major board game company's game is better because they mm -hmm. have m money, so they can, they can hire better people or more people so they can put uh, lots of brains. Mm -hmm. Right. to make one game compared to one person created one game so so good artwork means they they can spend a lot of money for artwork or they know the good connection and they can ask better people like kind of good they can ask uh expert sure sure so that kind or it's well elaborated compared to oh like this is good game but I don't know how to advertise. Sure. <laughs> I think you've now like hit on the main thing of like what makes it so hard to like start your own publishing company or like why doujin games in Japan are so hard to like get because you know you're talking to somebody who's doing it like one or two people that are just doing everything they can't afford to mm -hmm. hire this thing so maybe that's why it's not selling as well even if it's a really good game because people look at it at their board games shop and you know, again, like you said, like you have one company that has like this really nice looking box. Mm -hmm. They've hired so many people. It must be good versus yeah. this little teeny thing that maybe, you know, especially in Japan, like sometimes they come in like the Ziploc bags. Yeah. You know, like it's like, oh, I think I want to play that game over there. Mm -hmm. That's an important, it's an important problem. I think if you know better, like I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't care about like the artwork or like what container is it in. Mm. what container they use but for outsider or beginner completely beginner mm -hmm. like for me artwork or artwork is very important sure i know i think that's a really important point thanks all right so now let's go to my number five okay and as much as i love playing with you and playing with people like board games are a social venture to me there is one game that i love well there's a couple, but there's one game I love playing by myself. Okay. And that is Spirit Island. Spirit Island is a game that you take the control of spirits or kind of gods. 
that are in charge of protecting this island. And you actually are like something that the inhabitants, like the native inhabitants of the island, I can't remember what they're called off the top of my head, but they kind of worship. And you need to protect them from invaders that are trying to colonize the island. So it's almost like the colonization um, kind of story, but flipped on its head. That actually the colonizers are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And what's so cool about Spirit Island is that, so when you're playing solo, you actually control two spirits. Mm-hmm. And they all have something completely different. Their powers are completely different. And based on what spirits you play as that game, you can kind of combo them together because they all have a really big strength, but a really, really bad weakness that they mm-hmm. need something else to help out with. So like, for example, there's one where you're the ocean and it's really powerful. But the problem is, is that they're in the center of the island where there's no ocean. Ocean can't get to them. Mm. Right. So then you need a spirit who can actually maybe not kill the colonizers, but make them go towards the ocean. Mm. So then you can combo them together to use this one to scare the colonizers into going to the ocean. And then ocean can come and swallow them up. Mm. So you're comboing kind of like that. And it's an interesting system in which you can kind of know where the colonizers are going in the next turn so you can kind of try to plan out what do you think you can do because sometimes it's not about doing the best thing it's about doing the best thing in a bad situation Mm -hmm. like you are in trouble it's not going well how can you make the worst thing not happen and it's just a bad thing that happens but it's really fun i do enjoy playing it with two people but it is a game that i enjoy playing just kind of by myself kind of trying to balance these two spirits together and there's so many expansions out for this game now i do recommend um jagged earth if you get a chance to um but you don't need the expansions i just think that like if you're kind of interested in the, the variety of it i think a lot of the fun in the game is in exploring the different spirits and things like that and exploring the different powers and seeing how they work together and combining i'm going to do this spirit and this spirit this time mm-hmm. kind of thing then the expansions are really really fun it's done a great job of maintaining that same high level even though it's been out and there's been expansions out for years awesome. so cool that is my number five spirit island why you decided to play the solo solo game because you never play solo games even like it comes with board games so Hmm. I think for me, like board games, I still see primarily as a social venture. But I had just heard that Spirit Island was such a good experience solo. If I hear something like that, where it's like, it's a game that can play multiple people, but it's actually best solo. I'm a little bit interested in that. Like, I don't usually go out and buy a solo game. Usually that's not my thing. But like, I bought the game thinking it would be fun to play with one other person Mm -hmm. or it'd be fun to play with three other people. That Mm -hmm. sounds really fun. And then I bought it, did the how to plays, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of said, actually, solo is probably like my preferred way of doing this. And I went, okay, let me try it. And then I just kind of fell in love with it. I see. Do you have any other games you really like with solo play mode? Um, I really like Ford Northwood, which is a solo only game, which is a solo trick taking game. That's rare. Which is, yeah, it's super rare. Um, I like that one, but I think those are really like the only two that I can think of that I like have played a bunch solo how about you no usually just play with like a versus like you like games that you can play versus an ai or something like that uh yeah okay yeah that's as close as you get to solo Mm. but yeah i'm not a big solo gamer so i don't get me confused i'm not a solo gamer my opinions are 
I like Who knows? Sim City. Oh, there you go. Okay. That yeah, computer game. There you go. Yeah. SimCity is good. Oh, man, that brings me back. That's a, Oh, that was such a good game. All right. Let's go to the top four now. Okay. What is your number four? My number four is Coop. Mm. It's French. Coop. No, Coop. Coop. It's not Coop? No. Coop de Tatu. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. This is one of your first board games, I think. Yeah, besides a clue. Yeah. Yeah. You want to describe a coup in case people don't know what this is? Because I feel like there's been a lot of this kind of game out that maybe a lot of people haven't played it. A coup is the game like each player has two character cards and then each character has special power. You're the only one who knows your characters are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you deceive other players and then use, the, use the, your character's special power. And sometimes you say, hey, uh, you say you're character A, but actually you're character C. You're not. You're not a character. And then you kind of call, call it doubt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The kind of game. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that was my, almost my first stage of my board game. So I have lots of good memories. Mm -hmm. And then at the time, I was a completely, completely beginner. And then my friends and your friends also a completely beginner too. Yeah. And everyone has such a good time with playing coup. Also very, I like very easy playing games, very easy round, like short time round. And like kind of, I can, that games kind of help us to get to know each other or it's sometimes play a role as an icebreaker mm. when we had have a home party with my friends, mm -hmm. with our friends. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, we actually ended up giving it to one of our friends who just loved the game so much that when we moved, we were just like, okay, yeah, you can just have this. That's fine. You've played it so many times. Like, we wore down the cards of that <laughs> game. I, there's very few games other than, I think Deception and Coup have been the only two that I've, like, worn down the game box and cards of. Yeah. That's a great choice. That's a great choice at number four. Thanks. My number four is another Euro game, another midweight Euro game. It is a game that I now own in a fancy um, felt box, in a red felt box on our shelf, and it is Gugong. Gugong is a midweight Euro game that takes place right after the Emperor of China outlawed bribery. So instead of bribing you are actually instead giving gifts to all the different people that run the different areas of the map so every place on the map will have a card that has a value on it and might it'll be between one and nine and you can then do the action at that spot if you give them a card that is of higher value so maybe the boatman has a two value right now so if you want to use the boats to get their actions then you need to give them a card that is higher than a two and then you trade them so you'll put like a three down and then you'll put a two you'll take it into your discard pile and you'll have a two for the next round so the whole game is you just like bartering not bribing i'm definitely not bribing you i'm giving you a gift so that you will help me in my thing because the whole point is that you actually are running your own family and you want to meet the emperor and be the most successful family so you can kind of get the emperor's good grace. 
So you're doing all of these different actions and trying to build up your, you can like build up your jade pile so that you're like rich in jade, or you're trying to get your family pregnant mm. so that you can have a royal baby, that kind of thing. But you can be doing all of this the whole time. But there is one track that you can go there, and the only thing you do is move up the Emperor track. By the end of the game, you have to be where the Emperor is. Because if it's not, even if you're winning, you're eliminated from the entire game. So you have to balance between like, how can I get everything to kind of interplay with each other so that I can not only succeed and be the most successful business kind of family in the area, but I meet the Emperor and don't get eliminated. I really like the production quality of it. I think the publisher, it's Game Brewer, they're really hit and miss with production quality, but they absolutely knocked this one out of the park. Everything feels premium in this box. Even the expansion is really good here, and it is just a really nice overall package that I actually really want to introduce it to you because there's like lots of mini games that are happening. There's so many different ways to win. I think you would really enjoy this one. Mini games like Mario? Not, <laughs> not quite like Mario, but it'd be like different areas of the map work in different ways. Kind of like Sigoroku style? Um, some, some of them are, are a bit like that. Something, so like if you go to the boat, like you have to put an emperor, or you put like a worker here, and then you, they move this way. You can go on the trail up here, and you can ride a horse to kind of like go to the different areas here. Mm -hmm. You can go get jade. You can go try to influence the laws instead so that it like positively, affects, like you make a rule or something like that. So that affects you the rest of the game and everybody the rest of the game kind of thing. So there's different things. That sounds interesting. It's really cool. Like, I don't know about Chinese history or culture at all, but I'm still fascinate, fascinated about like Chinese uh, royal royal history. Yeah, yeah, sure. Ch Chinese royal history is so it's so interesting. They're so like the one emperor and soldiers, and then like they are trying to uh, take. We we learn in Japanese uh, history textbook the Kakyo that they they need to pass super 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 long and difficult exam to become a officer of the the royal palace oh really yeah i, I think there's so much potential to to put the the chinese royal in into a game yeah i like the way that they did it in this game of like i i oh it's i don't usually introduce like the story behind the game very often but for this game it's always like all right we're not allowed to bribe but let's bribe. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, that's such a good hook to the game of like, uh, all right, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's why uh, still nowadays, like Chinese Royal, uh, what it's going, like kind of scan scandals on Warrior Palace. Uh, what is the kind of me me melodrama? Oh yeah, melodrama? Melodrama, uh, like Chinese, like Chinese ancient melodrama in China is a really popular, I heard. <laughs> Yeah, my so, first boss in Japan loves them. Yeah, because, you know, it's kind of brave or affair or lots of, like, dramas and juicy, spicy dramas <laughs> there. <laughs> Have you ever watched them? No. No? Yeah, but yeah, that's my number four, Goo Gong. We are in our top three now. I guess before we, we get into our top three, though, we are doing this video in celebration of the New Year's, and New Year is the biggest holiday of the year in Japan. Yes. For sure. Like, For not sure. even close. It is the biggest holiday of the year. What do people usually do in Japan? 
We usually gather at head of the family.、Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. sometimes great grandparents or great. The great grandparents, the firstborn daughter or firstborn son's family's house. Ah, okay, okay. And then go to go to shrine <laughs> and then then pray that like this this year, this coming year, it's gonna be a good year and like that. And then eat osechi is a special meal for New Year's. Kind of that old. All ingredients in osechi last very long, so parents, especially mom, she doesn't need to cook for next coming three days because like January first to January third, like family should be relaxed. <laughs>、mm, that's nice. Yeah, but that's I mean it takes a lot of time to make osechi itself, but so usually like. Nowadays, people stop making osechi, just like Uber Eats or delivery pizza, or just buy osechi at local supermarket. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say like Seven Eleven often has like the osechi reservations that you have, the、yeah. convenience stores and、mm-hmm. stuff like that. Now, yeah. So you guys have osechi during the day. Is there something important that you eat, or something traditional that you eat on New Year's Eve? Yes,、uh, we eat soba noodle、uh, on eleven thirty. Thirty p.m. at New Year's Eve. Why do you eat soba? Because noodle doesn't soba is type of noodle. Because noodle is long, right? So、oh, yeah. means like if you slurp till the end, like this, and、uh, without like you chewing <laughs> in the halfway, means like your your life or your health can last very long. Oh, so、okay. you should not chew. You should slurp it up. Oh yeah, I remember the first time that we were celebrating with your parents. They ordered noodles to the the Ryokan, like it's like a hot springs kind of hotel. And I didn't know I was supposed to slurp,、mm-hmm. and I like started chewing like, <laughs> right away. And your mom was like, "No, no." <laughs> oh yeah, okay. That that's kind of interesting. So you have like the soba. Noodles, and then are you supposed to eat them at eleven thirty, or do you eat them like as it turns midnight? We say toshikoshi soba. So some some family eat for dinner, and some people eat、uh, right before New Year's New Year's New Year's Day.、Mm-hmm. Some people eat new before right before New Year's Day. It depends on family. Ah,、uh, so it's kind of like Hatsumole, which is a big tradition in Japan, where you're kind of like it's the first trip to the shrine, like the first prayer of the new year, where you go to the shrine. But like some people will wait for midnight to do it, like then. And then, if you travel in Japan for like the first week of January, though, like every shrine, especially the big ones, are just so crowded because some people are like, ah, I'll get to it like on the third or the fourth or the fifth or whatever. I'll get to it sometime. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's so busy the first week. I remember that when I went to Asakusa the shrine in Tokyo. That was exactly the one I was thinking of. Yeah. It was like January second when I was elementary school with my family, and then I waited. We waited for two hours to pray for five seconds. That's、uh, Sensoji, right? Yeah, Sensoji. Yeah, that that shrine specifically is like that is a bad idea for like the whole month of January. It's a bad idea to go if you're being a tourist there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's super interesting though. Thank you for sharing. Shall we get into our top three、yeah. of the 
of the countdown. Let's do it. Hopefully you guys are finding this interesting to kind of like intersperse like Japanese culture stuff in between the games. So my number three is Welcome to. Wow, I thought it was gonna be number one. Okay, <laughs> yeah, see, I, I'm glad I didn't guess. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to the, Welcome to is a game of flip and write. So you flip three cards and then you choose one card and then there are three rows and then there are like 10, like around 10 houses on each row. Mm -hmm. And then you pick the number and then you write on one house in a row. Mm -hmm. And then when you write, you need to write in ascending order. So the house on the left side should be the smallest number and the house on the most right side should be the highest number. So if you have if you choose one and you cannot you can't you don't want to write in the middle you want to write the very left mm -hmm. each card you choose has special power like number with special effect mm. and then three number the cards written on three with pool like swimming pool power and then they're on the board they're like swimming pool so if you put the number on the house with swimming pool, you can get extra point. And then not only swimming pool, but some house has parks, somehow, or, or we can put fences, or kind of something like that. Uh, so it's never like as easy as like, I just put them in order. Like it's like sometimes I'm like, I want to take a risk and put the pool here because the pools are worth a lot of points. Yeah. So maybe I'll put the 13 a little bit more to the left than I really want to. Exactly, exactly. Also, like, so the numbers are from 1 to 15, and then 1, the the high, lowest number and the highest number, you have only limited cards, like I think three, only three cards. Mm -hmm. But 7 or 8, they're like six or seven cards. So you have more chances to, to see to encounter like seven and eight, like middle numbers, but mm -hmm. 15 or one, maybe if you miss this chance, you never have the card anymore. Mm. But what if you have one 15, 14 at the same time, which card would you choose? Mm, yeah, it's tough. So why why is this game, I think, I, I'm not surprised that it's in your top three, I'm surprised it's number three. What makes this game so appealing to you? Like, after I play a lot of games with you, I mean, compared to you, I play a lot less, but... Still, I mean, you've played a lot uh, of games. That's my experience. Like, I really like... I found I really like roll and write, mm -hmm. and kind of filling up games. Oh, sure. Okay. Makes me, like, I really like organizing houses. So, I really like when I feel, you know, roll and write is, like, kind of putting numbers that where you want to put and if you like put the numbers or I don't know like any anything in the columns or rows like you feel really satisfied mm. <laughs> no that, make, that totally makes sense you're that always kinda, really into organization and stuff yeah. when I showed her the container store in the US <laughs> that was like Christmas all over again but um so like do you have you enjoyed the other versions of Welcome to, not just the base game, but like the expansions? Like we just got Welcome to Collector's Edition. Are you enjoying the kind of iterations of Welcome to as well as the original game? Or are you just kind of like, eh, I think I just want to play the regular Welcome to every time? Oh, 
once in a while, I definitely want to play expansion. But I much prefer playing Welcome to Basic version. And then we played uh, Welcome to the Moon. Mm-hmm. But it was a totally different game. Yeah. I right. feel like. It almost felt like like Welcome to the Moon was what they learned from the expansions. Of like, we're going to change it just a little bit. We're going to change it just a little bit. Mm. Also, as it's kind of like... Oh, how, what's the, the kind of legacy game? Yeah, this legacy. Yeah, legacy. Yeah. So, you know, there is story. Yep. yep. So I didn't like it. <laughs> oh man! Wow. God, I thought it was good. I, I, I sometimes I like my city, but sometimes you know I want to. Uh, I get, I want to play this time. The three games done. Ah. Uh, okay. And then, like I don't know, a couple months later, I want to play it again. Uh, so you don't want a game that you have to play like every day or every week or something like that for like a long time. Yeah. Oh, my, you know my tendency, right? I always play like a one game twenty times in a day and stop. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, yeah. I guess those legacy games that are sitting in shrink wrap at our house is not going to. Uh, I guess I'm going to sell those. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good number three, though. I'm, I'm just actually okay. shocked. I thought that would be your number one. I'm for so sure. interested in your number three. Top three. My number three is probably, I would say, of my top ten, probably the lowest ranked and most inconsistently liked one okay. of my top Interesting. ten. Interesting. My number three game is Edo. So Edo is a worker placement game in which you will be, throughout the game, having to fulfill missions. And in order to fulfill these missions, you have to have certain things in your possession and you have to be in a certain location on the map. So there's a couple different things that are kind of going on and it can change every game. And that's the nice thing about like the deluxe master set is you can kind of change the different decks going back and forth. So let's say that you're playing with the kind of the weapons deck. So the, the objectives will be that you need to have three of your workers. One needs to be in the capital. One needs to be in the geisha district and one needs to be in the, I don't know, the blacksmith area, okay? And you need to have the shurikens. But in order to acquire those shurikens, you have to be somewhere that isn't a part of those spots that you have to be. So you have to almost spend one round getting all the resources that you need and hoping that nobody else needs the same stuff. Because every single spot does not have enough spots that everybody at the table can go everywhere they want. Mm -hmm. So if we're playing a three-player game, in the blacksmith area, there might only be two spots. And once those two spots fill up, nobody can go there, which means that like your plans can go off the haywire. So then maybe you should actually spend one of your turns making sure you go first next round or you go early next round to make sure you can get it. And so there's like this beautiful tension of it that combines both the fact that you need to plan, but because of the randomization of the deck that'll happen, like sometimes the weapon that you need is just not available because it just hasn't been drawn off the deck. So then you're going to kind of be like, all right, I have a bunch of missions in my hand. I can't really do this one right now. Let me see how I can adapt and kind of change my plans. Or let me see if I can like adjust the luck that's happening. Maybe I can get rid of all the weapons that are out there so we can draw more cards and stuff like that. But I just find myself really entranced in how I'm not usually somebody that is like a huge worker placement fan. Although my list, maybe, maybe, maybe I am more of a worker placement fan than I thought I was but 
I really like the tension of it. I'm just feeling like there's so much stuff that I want to do. And every single turn, you're just sitting there. Please don't go 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 there. And then you get there and you're like, ha, yes, I did this really cool mission. And then there's the ultimate mission of like assassinating the emperor. If you do that, you win the entire game. So, but it's incredibly hard to pull off. But sometimes you're just like losing and you know you're losing. So you're like, all right, I gotta try. I gotta try. And it's just like, it builds up. It's really, really fun. Oh, I see. Why some people really like it and some people really don't like it? It's the random aspect of it, I think. A lot of worker placement games don't have randomization, uh, in, or at least as much. So like if you plan on, uh, like I need three wood the next turn, I'm going to plan so I can make sure that I have three wood next turn. Okay, I did it right. Three wood. Three pieces of wood. Got it. But in this game, you can plan, you could try to plan as best you can, but sometimes the cards are just not going to work out. Mm. I, for one, I, I don't mind it as much in this game because I usually play it with people who are new to the game or it was when I first played the game and I was new to the game. It balanced it out that everybody kind of had a chance to win. The, pe the person who's played the game the most will probably win or has a better chance of it, but it's not like 100% like other games are. Like Food Chain Magnet, for example, at number 10, the player who's played that game the most will win the game mm. 100% of the time. This one feels like everybody is so close. Even my first time, I remembered, like, everybody was within, like, five points of each other. Oh, I see. So I just think it's really cool. And the fact that, like, you can change and customize it and all that stuff. Again, like, a lot of people, I think, like to be like, give me the best way to play the game. Don't let me choose. Mm. But for, to me, it's like, oh, this is cool. I can play with this deck this time or this deck. Or, oh, I don't like that. So I'm not going to play with that anymore. Mm. So, yeah. My number three, adult. And especially the Deluxe Master set, but I know that's the Kickstarter version of it. So if you can't get a hold of that, I know you can get the original Edo for a lot cheaper. Nice. Top two. Whew. All right. So my number two is Wingspan. I think uh, people who watch this YouTube channel or already know what the game is, but uh, Wingspan is you play a bird's cards and and you get food or eggs and complete goals and yeah to get as many points as you get and why do you like this one so much because mm, the art is cute <laughs> so tell the camera <laughs> i like this game because i like the art when you introduce the game to me uh my friend like asked me to have uh, her bird for two weeks. I think the bird is its bird is called Bunjang. Bunjang is on this YouTube channel for one time before. So I was really into bird at the same time. Like you introduced me to bird game. I'm like, I'm like, oh my, I'm like, oh my goodness, it was so <laughs> perfect. Uh. The in wingspan, in the so they're kind of meeples-ish thing, but it's shaped like eggs. Mm -hmm. And then the colors is so pretty. It's it's pastel. Mm -hmm. It's not like purple vivid color as a normal usual meeple. Mm. I really like it. Yeah, it's it's a great one. We have all the expansions, and mm. you like all of them, right? Yeah. Also, like some birds are really cute. My favorite bird is uh, cardinals. Oh really? I did not know that. On the card. So my favorite bird in Hokkaido, which is the North Island of Japan, is Shimaenaga. 
Oh, so, so cute. cute. So cute. So one day, uh, Wingspan Asia expansion version, Shimayanaga one, <laughs> one day will appear on as a card. Board Game Dojo promo. Come on, let's make it happen, please. <laughs> this is good, man. That's cute, though. Yeah, I think, yeah, when you first learned this game, that was one of your, like, obsession games where we were playing, like, three, four, five games, especially when it got to Board Game Arena. We were playing yeah. a ton. This one actually has more rules than you're used to, though, I think. Like, what made this game more interesting to you to learn? Mm, first of all, like... I really like the game matching with the theme. Mm -hmm. And then Wingspan is the, I think, one of the games match the theme in how we play. Some some board games like use, oh, this is uh, the game about patissier, but like that, the mechanics doesn't have to do with patissier or pastry at all. Mm, yeah, pasted on themes. Yep. Also, the games want me to learn about birds more and more makes me more interested in birds. At the same time, like, oh, like if I play this game more, I can I can know about birds more. Mm -hmm. For sure. That was my number two, Wingspan. So what's your number two? My number two is probably going to come as no surprise to anybody who has watched any of our videos because I pretty much recommend it as a party game it any chance I yeah, any chance I get. Yeah, my number two is Ito. Uh, I just, I love this game. There is never a bad time to play this game. So Ito is a combination of Wavelength and The Mind, in which each player is going to get a card between 1 and 99. And then as a group, you are going to choose a category for the round, something like most popular toy or best topping for a pizza or something like that. It's usually not that easy, but I don't want to like give away any of the actual like sometimes crazy categories that you get. Um, and then, so everybody's going to secretly look at their card and then they need to give a clue as to how high or low their number is in comparison with everybody else at the table. So if I have a one, which is like not good or least amount, and we have like favorite pizza topping, it might be something like anchovies, iwasi. I don't like that on pizza, please no. But if you get something like 99, it might be pepperoni because pepperoni is a very popular pizza topping. Mm -hmm. So everybody on the table then needs to try to work together to put everybody's cards in order. You'll then kind of flip it over, reveal, and see if you got it right. And depending on the version of Ito you get, the original Ito you play with lives, so everybody's actually like revealing their card one at a time. And if you are wrong, then you lose a life. But Ito Rainbow, you're doing it all together at the same time and you kind of reveal at the same time. So there's a couple different ways to play it. I still kind of favor the original Ito, but we have played this game so many times. And it's made me so excited because we've been kind of like screaming this from the rooftops, I feel like, for like a year and a half now about how good this game is. And it is now, I think partially because Essen had an English version, um, more people are actually getting their hands on it. And now people that have gotten their hands on an English version have actually posted like some of the topics that you can have online so people can actually play the game themselves with as long as, you know, people are using their mind game mm -hmm. as a one to 99 card. And then they're going online and looking up the categories oh, that people have put. So even if like you can actually play it with the original Japanese version, you can use like the Google lens and just take a picture and stuff, but more people are getting a hang of it. I know like trick talkers has been talking about it for like a month straight now um, that they have been absolutely loving it. I'm so happy that people are, are um, now playing it more. That is my number two game of all time. Ito, I just love it. Do you love it as much as I do? I don't think you love it as much as I do, but. I love it. 
I, I really love it. Like, last time we played, it was so funny. Like, we played a topic about uh, what what is the thing you want to freeze it in right. the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just, that one went off the rails. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely like like something you need to produce a baby. That's for sure. That's that's what we'll say so we don't get like flagged on YouTube for it. But that was, that was what he said you needed to put in the freezer. And... <laughs> That I don't know. <laughs> of all the things in the world, and we all thought it was like way more important. We all thought it was like the second highest in the car, but it was like he thought it was super super low. Next to ice cube. Yeah, yeah. So we put it next to ice cube. Like, of course, ice cubes need to go in the freezer. And then what he said needs to go right next to it, of course. And then he was like, no, 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 it should have been like way down here. But it's just like other other categories are just crazy. Like you can decide with your friends how crazy you want it so that you can actually choose like there are some like very casual ones like pizza toppings that are like mm -hmm. you can play with people you don't really know yet yeah but with people you really know like it can get off the rails yeah. really quick <laughs> lately my my favorite japanese comedians in japan they uploaded a video about ito with their own unique subject yeah. so there's so many it's so unlimited uh, as long as you can come up with ca category yeah, I think he's been. Uh, I think Ito Rainbow actually now comes with blank cards oh. for you to um, write it down so that you can like shuffle it and draw your own original mm -hmm. categories. So yeah, it's cool. I think this can be a that Ito could be a TV program if they can, if they want. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but it's a fantastic game. I cannot stop recommending it. It's my number two game of all time. Um, Ito. Ito's a great game. Nice pick. Thank you. All right, what is your number? One. Drum roll. All right. Maybe this is cliche. Cliche? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's Azul. Oh, I don't think that's cliche. Uh, I think that's a fantastic pick. Okay. Because when I visited Amazon France for the present for Noel, uh, Azul was used for thumbnail for toys. Ah, like it's really popular now. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. so I thought, okay, so Azul is now like Catan, Monopoly, Azul. <laughs> I think a lot of people will argue with you if Monopoly should be in that conversation. But <laughs> but all right, what, what is Azul in case people haven't played it? Azul is the game which you collecting the tiles and put them in your board, trying to fill up the board as, uh, as much as you possible. At the end of the game, whoever has the most points will win. So what makes this number one? What makes this the best game of all time, according to Sumachan? This is because this game could be very gentle and nice, and, or it could be very mean. Yeah, we kind of flip back and forth. Like this game, we're going to play really mean. If you want to block, you can block. And then this game, now nah, we're just going to go for high scores. Huh. Yeah. So in, the, in your original tile, like there... So let's say like I want to collect red five tiles, and then in on the table, there are only five reds. Means if it's so risky, cause if Eric take one red, I cannot complete. So if Eric notice I'm collecting red, he can take it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to sabotage me, mm -hmm. or not. Or oh, not. Or not. <laughs> Depends on how if I'm okay with making you angry or not. Yeah. <laughs> So sometimes we try to meet, be mean each other. Sometimes we kind of try to be okay. So you, I know you're trying to collect this, so I won't touch it. 
Because mm-hmm. and then we trying to like get like high. We trying to reach our high scores. Yeah. And I don't know. This is so addictive. Mm-hmm. Like every time like I finish my roles, like this is uh, this is a competitive game. But at the same time, every time I finish roles, like I feel very satisfied. It's I think it because like as I said, I'm very. I really like organizing, mm-hmm. so kind of like feels me, kind of like same feeling as flipping, right? Oh, okay. Where you're kind of like starting with nothing and then slowly filling it up. Yeah, exactly. I see. So if I, you know, when you try to organize bookshelf, like you put this one, but maybe you will buy like bigger book or thicker book in the future. So maybe you will like kind of. Uh, you will keep the room for the future, hmm. and then you will put it. <laughs> kind of same thing. Sure. Yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. Totally get it. No, it's a great pick. Okay. I think it's a great pick. I don't think it's cliche at all. Thanks. My number one game is a Japanese game based on the second largest city in Japan. Yokohama. Yokohama is the name of it. I love this game. Yokohama is. Here's here's the thing. I like. I think I really do like worker placement more than I think I do because this is a worker placement game. You so, should have made it. Yeah, oops. Um, <laughs> uh, so Yokohama, though, has the interesting thing of, so there's all these different locations that do different things, and all of them are usually very, very basic. Like, you go to the fish market to get fish. You go to the tea fields to get tea, right? Very, very simple. Some of them can do different things like going to the bank to get money or go to the pier in order to get contracts. Because this game is supposed to take place when Yokohama first opened up to the Western world. So you have the British people, the American people, and uh, the I think the Germans are like the third one, even though I think it should be Dutch, but I guess the Dutch were already there. You are running around actually trying to get like the tea and silk and clay and fish in order to fulfill these contracts. By fulfilling these contracts, you get points, but you need to kind of balance this out with a couple of different things like going to the church, which is a big deal in this time, because if you donate to the church, then you can move up in the church field mm-hmm. and you get a bonus for being the one who goes to church the most or you were the most like holiest person in that field. It's not really called that, but that's kind of like the feeling or going to customs where one thing you can do is get an import and turn that import in to the market, right? If you do that the best, you get a big bonus at the end. You're also going to be kind of doing technology because during this time, there was a lot of technology that was brought from the Western world to Japan. So overall, you're like also kind of gaining alliance with one of these nations by adopting their technology and you can buy them from the market. Mm -hmm. So if you do a lot of contracts and a lot of technology from the same country, they'll give you foreign agents that allow you to go two spots in the same turn things like that. You're building up this thing over time. It's just one of those games where you look at it on the table and it looks like it is going to be an extremely difficult game to learn. But then you play a couple rounds, like you play just like a couple turns of it and you get everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. It is so elegant. It's so fun to play. And one of the rare things about this game is that it's a Euro game in the midweight thing that plays as good at two as it does at three, as it does at four players. None of it is bad. And I just, I think this was one of the first games where when I played it, I had to go out and find a copy. 
Like, I was smitten with the game. Not just because of, like, the Japanese theme, but how quick it was to learn, how quick it was to grasp, how quick it was to enjoy it. You can enjoy this game from the very first time you play it. Mm -hmm. And I have been introducing it to a lot of people on BGA as well. Like, there are on the discords of, like, Board Game Barrage and other podcasts that I'm a part of. Like, there's always kind of people of, like, ah, I want to kind of learn this Yokohama game. Like, I don't know if it's worth it. I'm like, let's do it. I got you. Like, I will show you the way. <laughs> But yeah, I actually own, because of it, I own that one. I own Yokohama Duo. I own Yokohama Roll and Write. But Yokohama is my favorite game of all time. I will definitely be showing it to you. I own the very fancy deluxe version with the fancy upgraded bits because it's just like a game that I will never get rid of. Ever. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing with you. Yeah. But let's go. We Our camera is almost out of memory. So... Let's go through just a review of what your top 10 games are. Just kind of at the end here, run it through one more time. Right? My num number 10, Parks. Nine, Trick Taking in Black and White, Bears. Eight, Scout. Seven, Watergate or Much of the Century. Six, Star Realms. Five, Sea Salt and Paper. Four, Coup. Three, Welcome to. Two, Wingspan. Number one, Azul. And my number 10 is Food Chain Magnet. My number 9 is Grand Austria Hotel. My number 8 is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. My number 7 is Innovation. My number 6 is Orléans. My number 5 is Spirit Island. My number 4 is Gugong. My number 3 is Edo. My number 2 is Ito. And my number 1 is Yokohama. Well, that is going to do it for our first ever top 10 games of all time. Hopefully we'll do it again at some point. Hopefully you'll be in front of the camera again at some time. Will we see you in another year and a half? It depends on reactions. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so leave some comments below if you want to see more of Simichan. And thank you again for a wonderful 2023. Hopefully we can have just as much fun, if not more, in 2024. Okay, Until next time, Janne. Janne.